Episode 20. We have a long overdue guest here, Vikram Jit Chakraborty. Hey, buddy. Hey, bud. Happy hey, to bud. be here, Alex. You know what? I'm so thankful for you being here. We have so much to talk about. You have done your homework, in case anyone has not seen the uh, elegant notes that are in front of you right now. But I'm excited. We've got a very exciting NBA postseason upon us here. And uh, thanks for sharing your knowledge with the uh, the universe of the 20 to 30 people who actually listen. Most of which are people we already know. Uh, Okay. We can just jump right into the matchups. Okay. Um, So let's jump into the Eastern Conference. You got Sixers versus Nets in the 3 6. You got Cavs versus Knicks in the 4 5. Western Conference, you've got Kings versus Warriors in the 3 6. Suns versus Clippers in the 4 5. Now, you notice we didn't mention any one or two seeds. We didn't mention anything past the sixth seed. And that's, of course, because of the NBA's new play in tournament, right? Not that new anymore. We're in the, I think the third iteration of the current format, um, which is where the seven through 10 all essentially have a chance to enter the NBA postseason. So first thing I want to ask you about is there was that version in the bubble where it was just the eight and nine seed, where it was like, if they're within four games of each other, then either of them could contend, they'll play a game to decide who gets to be in. And now you have the seven through 10 thing. We all know how it works. But my question for you is, do you like it? Or do you, did you prefer the old way if it's just one through eight, make it and then move on? Um, definitely. I think I like it. I kind of like that one, you know, winning in or losing out kind of format. I think that's what makes the NCAA March Madness bracket slash tournament exciting. And just, you get all the thrills because I think that's when it's a seven game series, you know, you can lose up to four times and a lot of players may not compete game one and or game two as hard. And then obviously down the road, as the series continues, all the big players come out. Um, with that said, I think the pl- win and in format is fun. I think, largely speaking, as a fan, an NBA fan for a long time, um, in terms of if I was a player, I, I don't think that is the best format, knowing that a team that would have always made the playoffs locked in at the seven or eight seed, especially in the West, where it's always that big playoff race in March and April. Um, I think that can screw a lot of teams over, especially if you're a seven seed who's always, you know, two ahead from the bottom being eliminated and you have potentially have the chance to get eliminated during the play in tournament because of some late season injuries to your team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. I like, I kind of agree with you that I really like it in the beginning. I was very anti because I was like, I'm sorry, man, if you're a 10 seed, you do not deserve to be in the postseason. But the reality yes. is like the, the eight seed, the nine seed are usually the teams that make it. So I actually like, I saw some like all time stats for it. So the, the seven seed plays the eight seed and the nine seed plays the 10 seed. The seven seed always wins against the eight and the nine seed always beats the 10. So it's like, okay, then what's the point of the playing in the first place? And it's because when the eight and nine play in that second game, the nine seed is actually three and one against the eight seed. So it does create some kind of interesting, some kind of upsets and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it's cool. Like, you know, you, it de-incentivizes teams to tank because like, hey, you all you got to do is get the 10th seed and then maybe you have a chance. Um, so it's fun and I'm glad we're glad we get to watch it. They're, like you said, one and done games are great. Like it's like the NCAA well, tournament. The really only good. question I've I always think. had is it doesn't count towards the playoff record or the regular season. And I wish they had defined that more in a sense. I think that game does get ignored in the stat sheet a lot. Yeah. Who's going to, who's going to be all time leader in play in game points per game 
kind of thing, you know? Well, I, I meant more, you know, like if that you, you know, that's where the players come out and play. Like, is that going to be, for example, if it's, I don't know, maybe there's an MVP contender in a big race, they're in the play in tournament. Like, is that game going to count? Is that game, let's say, for the points leader, assist leader, you know, last year was a close race with, I believe, Jokic, Embiid, and LeBron. It came down to a difference of less than a point. And last year, no one was in the play in tournament. In the case that they are, that could affect that whole award and end of the season awards for the NBA. Yeah, it's actually an interesting point because it's considered like uh, it's not regular season. It's considered like uh, postseason play, but it doesn't count in terms of like your all time playoff numbers and things like that. Correct. But yeah, it is interesting. Um, I would hope that like an MVP candidate is not in the playing tournament. That would not be ideal. Yeah. But, no. Um, let's jump into the first matchup here. We got uh, Toronto Bulls, which is uh, you know not exactly a box office matchup, but there's a lot to talk about there. And I thought we'd start with the Bulls because they're kind of interesting, right? So you have like this. This duo of Levine and DeRozan both putting up 25 a night. Um, and then, you know, you kind of look at like the contracts and everything. So the Vooch trade a couple of years ago to get Nikola Vooch, which feels like a little bit of a reach. Maybe they went too all in there. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent this year. Zach Levine's in the first year of a five-year, $215 million deal. So he's pretty locked in. And then DeRozan is in the second year of a three-year, $81 million deal, which is actually pretty cheap considering how good he's been. Um, they were super durable this year. They're also both kind of mediocre on the defensive end. They're both kind of like, you need kind of a Batman and a Robin. And I feel like they're both kind of Robins, if we're really being honest with ourselves. And then you look at the rest of the team, like Caruso is a fun all-NBA defender. Patrick Beverly is a fun guy who used to be an all-NBA defender, but probably still thinks he is. And then you, know, you got Pat Williams, Ayat Asamu, Kobe White. They're all kind of a year away. So I guess my question, oh, I almost forgot about Andre Drummond, our old buddy, Andre Drummond. Yeah. Um, my question for you is like, are the Bulls going to have to blow it up? Like, is there anything they can do with this duo of DeRozan and Levine? Or are they just kind of stuck in play in purgatory? Like, so they try to trade, you know, DeRozan on, on a cheap deal. Or is it time to move on from Zach Levine? Like, what do they do here? I mean, I think going, speaking about the future of the Bulls organization, it really is dependent on this playoff series. And I think how they play it, um, how they go with their playoff series. Let's say they potentially win. Sorry, I lost the playoff picture. They're, they're um, 10 so yeah, the Bulls are 10 C. So I got yes, they have to win two games and then they play the Bucks or Boston, which I think they will even if they get past the play, and I think they're gonna lose and definitely contracts are gonna be discussed. I think they will have to move on from a player, and I think the player that would end up leaving is DeRozan. Yeah, he's um, definitely easier to move. I think he's a easier to move, and he's that kind of player where in the whole scoring generation of the NBA, he can be added to a lot of teams very easily. Whereas Levine, he's at the three, three or two. And I think he's a lot more difficult just because he big problem with them is very inconsistent. Whereas DeRozan has, you know, you're, you know, you're going to get at least 15 to 20 out of him. And then some games he'll explode. He has that clutch clutchness, which I think is yeah. big, for big games. And especially in the playoffs, which I think he'll, that side of him we'll get to see. Yes. DeRozan's like statistically, at least this year and last year, one of the best clutch players in the league. Um, I think he had like back-to-back game winners both seasons. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too bad because like he can't really shoot threes. And yeah. then I would say at this point, like given his age, he's in his early 30s right now. He's probably like yeah. over the hill a little bit, whereas Zach Levine like is still kind <laughs> yes. of in his, I guess you could say. Peak. Additionally, I know 
with Lonzo, Lonzo's injury, oh, hypothetically, hopefully he comes back. Yeah, hopefully he comes back next season healthy. DeRozan and Lonzo have, you know, I th- DeRozan is a much better scorer. Lonzo is more of a facilitator, pass first kind of guy. But I think that you could replace Lon DeRozan with Lonzo a little more. Not saying they're the same players. Whereas Levine is a lot more harder to replace just because he's more lengthier, can play in the paint more. Yeah, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I'm I'd be like super surprised if the Bulls leader in assist wasn't DeRozan. So yeah, Lonzo could definitely take on that role. Um, but yeah. So the Bulls are, you know, it's even it like they can move DeRozan. He's like a good player on a relatively yeah. cheap deal with two years left, or maybe I think a year left. So that's like a good contract to trade. But they're kind of cashed if we're being honest. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. And I, 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 I don't, it's interesting how this team won this year, knowing how they had that immediate success last year after they added Alex Caruso. Yeah, I think man, Lonzo was part of last year and Vucevic. Um, and if you think they moved a lot of their previous starters to the bench. And so they have pieces. Uh, they have what? Dasamu, right? Kobe yeah, White. He's a nice young so player. They, they have depth, so it's interesting to see how their season did not go as planned. I thought they would end up top five at the beginning of the season. Um, they didn't. And I, if you just look up, they have the worst record in the play-in in the East. Mm-hmm. But if you go just from, I think, just on paper, you would think they're the best team. I mean, Toronto, you don't see a player besides Siakam and be like, oh, he's that guy. Bulls, yeah. you have a lot more pieces. You're like, oh, this guy can play, that guy can play. Yeah. Well, you bring up Toronto. I guess we can kind of move over to them. Another team that like doesn't have the flashiest roster star players, but there are a lot of interesting storylines. I think that one of the biggest ones is head coach Nick Nurse, who recently had like a press conference where he's like, you know what? I've been here 10 years. This is a good time to kind of sit back, reflect. It sounds like he's not sure if he's coming back next year. And, yeah. you know, he's had five years as an assistant, five years as head coach. He had that great year, with, but he's kind of Kawhi dependent. When Kawhi Leonard isn't on the team like that one year when they won a championship against an undermanned Warriors team, we know the story. Right. He's like a very – they're a very good team that doesn't really make deep playoff runs. Very and then, good team. The problem with Toronto, recently they've been always ending between the 5 and 10. They're not going to get the best draft picks. And historically they've relied on draft picks for their franchise to be good or bad. Um, right. I think the only big transaction they've had is Kawhi Leonard last 20 years and i think it's largely because they are in canada i don't know if that's potential disattraction for a lot of players to sign with them i when i think of toronto it's all the players they've drafted vince carter bosh kyle lowry derozan and since then they've had a couple pieces van bleed siakam but nothing not a single player that's going to bring you home the title or even make that deep run. I, I remember between 2015 and 2018 with Dwayne Casey, they had a lot of big stretches with Kawhi and DeMar in the back. Um, but that was it. They got Kawhi, they won the chip, but I don't I think their time's done. Yeah. And I think it's a good point at a good time for Nick Nurse to leave as a head coach, maybe, or find a job elsewhere. Come to Detroit, maybe. That would be it. Yeah, Dwayne Casey's moving up as I think GM, not GM, but somewhere more somewhere in the front managing office. related. So. Yeah, yeah, the rat. You're right about the, it's a really good point that yeah, they kind of develop guys through the draft because they're not much of a free agent destination. And then, you know, like transactionally, it like they're always in the rumor, right? Like Chris Boucher, OG Ananobi, who both have like a couple years left in their deal. They're always in the rumor trade rumor mill. And then like this yeah. year, they traded three picks. One one of them's protected, but. Traded three picks for Jacoperto, which you'd think is like a win now move, and then it got him to a ten seed. So, 
kind of similar to the Bulls. What I want to ask you is, I'll throw kind of like contextualize mm-hmm. it with Siakam's got one year left on his deal. Van Vliet's got a player option next, so he's he's going to test free agency, I would imagine. And then Gary Trent Jr. Same thing, player option. So you got a lot of guys who you know maybe their last year with Toronto was either right now or maybe in Siakam's case next year. And then you got the reigning rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes, who hasn't really, at least, he hasn't shined this year. He, statistically, he's not taking the step. Gary Trent Jr. I think he had a good stretch when he got traded immediately from Portland at the end of last year. I think that was around the trade deadline. Kind of just fell off there too. Yeah, but just, so do they? Do they trade? You know, do they trade uh, Van Fleet and um, and Gary Trent Jr.? Do they tr- try to trade Siakam? Do they let those guys walk? Do they just build it all around Scotty? I Bob? think Siakam's going to move. I think Siakam's going to move. I think he should move. Um, but I think the one amazing thing about Toronto as an organization is the players are pretty loyal. So I would not be surprised if Siakam say, "I think he is the centerpiece of the organization. He's been the face." The last two years, which is crazy to think it's Pascal Siakam, but he is one of the most underrated three, four guy in the league. I mean, he's averaging 25 a night. Yeah. 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 25 a night, 25, eight and five. Not a flashy player, but gets the job done. Doesn't have big media, you know, conferences and stuff like that, but yeah, really, really good player. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what they're going to do. I mean, I think, you know, last year it felt like, okay, Scotty Barnes is just going to make this team like a perennial super good team. And then he was still good this year. He just didn't take like, take the sophomore leap, but I agree, but it, it, it's interesting. This Eastern conference is a lot more competitive than what we're usually used to. I mean, we always know the West is busy and chaotic, but they're deep. The East is really I mean, deep. seeing that Chicago team, how good they are, Atlanta, Miami, the fact those three teams are in the play-in is, you know, surprising. Yeah. Knowing they do have the pieces. We bring up uh, Atlanta-Miami. Let's talk Atlanta-Miami because they're playing the other, the 7-8 matchup. Yes. So, start with Atlanta. And I think we're, at, at this point, it's pretty clear the Hawks have a Trey Young problem. Uh, I don't want to call him a coach killer, but he's, he's I mean, he's murdering coaches. First Lloyd Pierce, and then now you get uh, Nate McMillan. who Nate, Mc, the, Nate McMillan's been fired from Indiana – and now Atlanta, and they're two of the, some of the most inexplicable firings I've ever seen. It's just like this guy who's like getting the most out of a kind of a bad roster, and they're like, ah, you know, we need a new. Where, voice. where has he been fired from? Nate McMillan he got fired from Indiana a couple of years ago. Okay, and then it was like, you can't get, you can't easy. make the team win with because Victor Oladipo tore his quad. Like you're not really good without <laughs> your best player. You got to go. Don't forget TJ Warren. Bubble Warren was. <laughs> yeah. Bubble. So it's like. I don't know. And then, of course, they get him on as, as head coach for Atlanta immediately improved. But now that he's not winning with a flawed roster, it's like, ah, we need a new voice. I, I don't know. For some reason, when he gets fired, it makes me so mad because I think he's really good. Um, but, like, you know, they got destroyed by Miami last year in the first round. And then, you know, now it's not likely they're going to get out of the plan. So they're trending in the wrong direction. Trey Young had visible issues with Nate McMillan. There was, like, altercation, not verbal altercations at the court. And then, you know, I realize the average is 26 points, 10 assists. Like, that's great. But yeah, I think he's leading defense. the league in assists this year, right? Uh, it's, I think hard last year. But yeah, young, he's always in the in the fold. Yeah. Like, he's a great playmaker and everything. But then, you know, you go down to the roster problems. Like, John Collins, John Collins lives on the trade block. He's always, always, always on the trade block. And nobody ever asked for him. Bogdanovich is going to decline. He already did decline his player option for next yeah. year. So clearly, people aren't in love with playing in Atlanta. Um, Clint Capella is going to be a free agent. 
they went all in last year. Let's get DeJounte Murray. He's on a cheap deal. Yeah, right and now. it's you would expect I think the only change in their real starting roster is Deontay Murray for Kevin Herter, who's on the Kings right now. Right. You or DeJounte? DeJounte, yeah. Sorry. DeJounte Murray is significantly better than Kevin Herter. Oh yeah, he's and sweet. It's surprising that they're worse off this season. I think um I saw a crazy stat. I'm pretty sure you saw it. It's all over ESPN's Instagram account of how they've been 50 50 almost yeah. their win loss record. I they can't they don't want to have a winning or losing record. It's amazing. Um but when I'm I'm looking at the depth chart right now, they have Bogdanovich who who I believe he started last year for them actually over yeah, nice DeAndre player. Hunter. Um, I remember Cam playoff. He shot the ball very well against Miami last year, but now they also have Sadiq Bay from the Pistons, which I love. Um, but if you think about it, what I don't think they'll beat the Heat, and they're they're going to be eliminated first. Oh no, they have. I yeah, they're not getting past the first round. I I love seeing upsets, but the Bulls and the Cel- sorry, the Celtics and the Bucks are two teams I. I think they're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's, yeah. Even if they yeah. don't, they're not going to lose to Miami, Atlanta, you're in these East teams. Correct. And I think I think that matchup, I think Atlanta might win. They could. I mean, uh, the thing with, like, the Treyong dejounte Murray pairing is, so, you know, Treyong was used to having the ball a lot. And DeJounte Murray, when he was in San Antonio and had that huge year last year. Obviously, they, there was no one in San Antonio. True. And so yeah. now, like, it, you know, how does that work? Because DeJounte Murray's not really a great, like, spot-up shooter. And Trey, Trey Young is a great shooter, but off the dribble. Like, he does, he's unwilling to kind of, like, play off the ball. And right. there are ball-dominant players who learn to play off the ball. Steph plays off the ball. Damian Lillard plays off the ball. They go, like, dribble handoff stuff. Trey just want, kind of wants the ball and wants to, you know, go off a pick-and-roll and just shoot a three. But, I mean, Trey in the playoffs is not an easy guy. He he really does step up to all the challenges. Yeah, that that year they it was it. I think it was two years ago where they had that surprise against the Knicks conference right? finals. But it's yeah. like, what have they done since? And oh even, yes, yes, you're talking about when they lost to the Bucks in six, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that was awesome. But now, like you've got two really good players who are kind of playing like I, like your I turn, my the, turn basketball. Yeah, you know the big thing here here is Clint Capella. I think that matchup with him and Bam. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I yeah. Just, I think Bam is just Clint Capella's great. I, I'm actually shocked how well he does given his size. Like he's just a lanky guy. Yeah, and Bam is going to eat he's his lunch. Little, I mean, yeah, yeah, barbecue chicken has Brad. That's a barbecue it. chicken, forty piece yeah. wing dinner. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think fundamentally and with playoff experience, I think that Miami team is just going to outperform the Hawks. I think that's my final conclusion. Um, the Hawks with that in terms of re- either they're going to refranchise or not, I think they just need to get – they need to restructure that whole offense because they have about 90 shooters and no playmaker. Trey Young is a playmaker, but I think it's because, he, as he said, he's not off ball, he's on ball. You got two guys on him on top of the key, then he can dish it out to someone who's open. And he has a lot of shooters around him, but I think they need – a true power forward or a small forward. John Collins is six nine. He's not a true power forward. Yeah, he's athletic and he also he can't shoot and he doesn't even rebound that well either. So. No, I mean he he hopes he can just make get it to the paint somehow. Yeah, yeah. 
I think, and the other thing is, so DeJounte Murray, they they gave up a lot of draft capital to trade for him. Yeah. But in terms of like paying, like he's $18 million a year and through next year, I think. So he's not going to get any cheaper. He's gonna, he's worth way more than $18 million. So like they have kind of a tough road ahead. And then there's rumors now that Hawks ownership has given the front office, this is according to Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer, mm-hmm. they've given the green light to explore trade options for Trey Young. So what do you think about that? Do you think they should move on from Trey? I don't think they should move on from Trey. I I think they just need to find the better better pieces for him. I I, I don't think Clint Capella, Clint Capella, Cam Reddish is the right yeah or Deontay Hunt, DeAndre Hunter is like the guy the people you need to win. Trey can shoot. He can facilitate. I just think I wish they had a lot more size on them. I think that's what they get beat on with a lot of teams. They just get. I mean, in terms of height, they're just outnumbered. And I think that that's why they live and die on just making shots. If their shots are not falling, they lose. They have enough shooters. That's why they're 50 and 50 this season. I mean, they're literally at 41 and 41. Yeah, they're kind of the definition of a 500 yeah. team. So, and that's a good, you know, he's never played with like a really solid, like all star wing player. So maybe you're right. Maybe that's exactly what they need. Um, yeah. But yeah. And so, do you know what do you know anything about Miami in terms of their contracts? So let me tell you a little bit about Miami. Because yeah. I know Udonis Haslam just had that awesome 24 point like last game kind of deal, oh, which yeah. was fun. But that's not gonna, you know, overshadow the fact that it's been a pretty disappointing year. So Miami, you've got so Kevin Love, Victor Oladipo, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry. They are all declining players. And Kyle Lowry is actually very expensive. Not to mention they're all on the books for at least next season. All at least your next season, and that Duncan Robinson contract, which is what 84 86 million, right? Uh, I think it's it's like it's something like that. It's it's high. Four, I think it was a four year 86 million two years ago. They signed up, yeah. It's it's something like like 18 million a year or something. And the guy's yeah. averaging six points a game, and that's when he plays, which is yeah, Bubble wild. Robinson. Yeah, oh, no, he, 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 he sorry, Tyler Hero was the player in the bubble. Uh, it was a year after when Miami Miami had a good run, I think they ended up losing to the Bucks. But Duncan Robinson was really good throughout the season, or this was last year. And then they started subbing him for Max Struess at the end of the season. Yeah, Struess on the loose. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's Duncan, like, I don't know if they figured him out or if it's the fact that he's so one dimensional, but he is, he, ever since he had that really kind of breakout year where he was like legitimately he, breaking NBA three point yeah. records, he's been declining. I think the thing with him, he's not going to be the one getting you rebounds. He is. Very much one-dimensional, just a catch-and-shoot guy, and he's a liability on the defense. Yeah, and I love Duncan Robinson. He's in Michigan. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we both went awesome. to Michigan. We love Duncan. But first, but, yeah, he was what? A not undrafted NBA player. Undrafted? I mean, the guy went to a D3 school and made it that before he went to Michigan. I mean, he he made the climb from, you know, the bottom. But, you know, the important thing is the guy made his generational money, and he is going to be just fine. He still has his podcast. He'll be okay. Um, but so Miami's the fourth worst three point shooting team in the league. And, you know, you talk about like playoff Jimmy, Playoff Jimmy is really, really good, but it's not like playoff LeBron. Like you can't carry this core of a roster, this poor of a sporting cast. Yeah. They are locked in to Jimmy, Bam and Tyler hero, all three really good players. That's the core you can build around Pat Riley, the, you know, the Godfather, the 
puppet master. You can do a lot. What can he do to retool this roster? Because this year clearly is not going to be anything where they make any kind of deep run like they have in the last few years. I think they need a true point. True point. But that's what Kyle Lowry is a true point guard. But he he's declining. I feel like he's injured every other game. Yeah. They, they just need someone who has the fun. I agree. Kyle Lowry, I, I've always vouched for him. I always get an argument. He's, I think one of the most underrated fundamental um, point guards in the league, but he is really declining. I don't think Gabe Vincent is the guy who's going to step up to be your new point guard. Probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> probably <laughs> not. I mean, it would have been obviously given all the contracts they signed, they couldn't, but it would have been amazing to see some a team like Miami get DeJounte Murray. Like that would have been the guy I would love to see them get. But yeah. Did it. Um, Victor Aladi, but he, I just wish he, had a better career. It's so you know you it want to root really for that sad. guy all the time, but he's just always moving, always getting injured, and you know he tore that quad in Indiana. Miami, I think. Back. No, you, yeah, he was, and then I know he was he injured in Orlando after he got drafted originally. Probably that was. Then he moved to sure. Indiana. Yeah, he had a year with Ross but in see where he probably Miami, never got the ball. Yeah, Miami. What they're gonna get eighteen some pick this NBA draft. Yeah, they're gonna have to. I think restructure. I don't. I actually don't know why they even bother getting Kevin Love. I think that was unnecessary. Adds nothing. Yeah. Well, what's your take on that? Uh, desperation, get, trying to get something out of a guy that doesn't have well, much. Well, like yeah, like it made headlines. Like I wouldn't really care if I got Kevin Love on my team. No, I mean he, Kevin Love can no longer play defense at all. He never was a great defender. He he was no. not as much of a rebounder anymore, and he can't really shoot all that well because he's he's not quick enough to get open. I mean, he, he's a stretch big that can't shoot. That's not very so not a stretch. Yeah, so he's he's just a big, just a big, <laughs> just yeah. a big. Um. Yeah. All right, so we've talked about all the East playing teams. Let's try to. So who's winning what? So Hawks and Heat. Who's winning that game? I'm gonna have to go with the Hawks. Interesting. Okay. Okay, so I, Hawks will play. I, I Hawks. so this was funny because I just said I think I just said all the reasons why the Hawks would lose, but after talking about Miami, looking at Miami's depth versus Atlanta's depth, I think just the Hawks are way deeper, and I think in games like this, these players' shots will fall through, and I think that's why Atlanta's gonna win. Um, yeah. I hate to see it just because I think I love Jimmy, but I think Atlanta's got this one in the book. Jimmy's that's the only reason I would pick Miami is because they just have Jimmy and the other team doesn't. Yeah. But let's go with I like that Atlanta pick. Let's go with Atlanta. So then that would mean who's winning the 9 10 matchup, which is Bulls and Raptors? The 9 10. Oh, Bulls. Okay. Bulls winning that matchup. And then who that would mean Miami and Chicago would play each other. Who's winning so that? Would that be your 8 and 9? Oh, that would be a 7 and 9 matchup or and 7 and in Miami. Matchup. Um, I'm gonna go Miami. Okay, so then it would be seven seed. Atlanta will get the seven seed. They'd play Boston, and then Miami would get the eight seed. They'd play Milwaukee, and they would both probably get swept. The beauty of the plan. It's yeah. just a drawn out, but you know, drawn out sweep. Um, all right. There's our Eastern Conference outlook. Not too bad. Let's go to the West. So let's start with the start with the ten nine. So you got Thunder versus Pelicans. So I guess, go ahead. Stop. We're gonna we're talking about the West. <laughs> so that's the West guy. The West, the West playing. If you want to join now, this is this is his topic. What? Let's Seth. You want to jump in on this part? 
I don't know. I'll also hear what I guess to say about that bum LeBron. <laughs> that uh, LeBum? <laughs> LeBum. Let's talk first. Let's talk yeah. about we're, we're gonna save LeBron for a more oh Vic's getting angry. Okay. Um we're let's talk Thunder because Thunder kind of had I had a perfect year. So they get another good pick because they're still kind of not so great. They do the 10th seed. They let their young guys and new coach prove they can compete. And then they watch SGA pretty much show that. Matt. Oh God, you got to Matt. Very nice going. His room, if you go in his room, it is a shrine to LeBron James. Oh, I've been in there. There's posters. There, I mean, it's, it's, oh, geez. Listen, man. I, I do respect it. I was I was like that once. Really, I was. Then I woke up and saw the light and realized Jordan is better. But uh, that's a separate that could be a separate that. podcast. Separate podcast, topic for another day. Yes. And that could but, be that could go on forever. Vic, this OKC team, Lou Dort's 23, Jalen Williams, and there's two Jalen Williams. This is Jalen Williams with a Y. He is uh, 21. Josh Giddy, which is the NBA's Timothy Chalamet, is 21. Sorry, he's 20. And and we're forgetting one player who didn't play all season. Yeah. Chet Holmgren, yeah, exactly. Chet Holmgren. Who's, who's, uh, he's 21, and then SGA is the team elder at 24. I mean, this is such a young <laughs> core who's yeah. all really, really, really good. What is their ceiling? I think they're going deep. This I think year? They're, or not deep in the this year playoff, but I think they will be in the playoffs next year without having to be in the play-in. I think they're going to be a top six seed. I totally agree with you. And it might be well, like a five-six because they're still young, yeah. but like, SGA is nice. He is filthy. He he he's Mr. Consistent. He and the thing with him is he actually plays big and really big games. And you'd be shocked just because you know if they play another team, you know who to you know who you, who you have to guard. It's SGA, and no one else really. Like you can, the other guys are not going to light it up and be the fault of or be the cause that your team loses. And SGA has all the attention when he's on offense and he's still scoring both offensively and he plays amazing defensively. Yeah. And he like, doesn't really shoot that many threes. He just kind of like slithers his way into the paint and just hits like some, you know, seven footer. He's, he's really fun to watch, but he's just kind of unorthodox for today's NBA. Yes. Um, I, I know they're a 10 seed, but, like, I think they're ahead of schedule. I don't really have much negative to say about OKC. I don't know if they're going to, you know, make it out of the play-in, but. I think they will beat, I mean, I think they'll beat the Pelicans. Interesting. Okay, so let's jump to the Pelicans then, because they're kind of a more problematic team. They have a serious Zion Williamson problem. They, I mean, I'm sure. They have they have no, so they have, well, I believe, no Zion and no Jose Alvarado. That's right. Yep. And I, I forgot who the coach was, but he was, I, Greg something, it was the assistant coach of the Phoenix Suns, right? Uh well I think it's Willie Willie Green right something like that could be they shocked me last year by making it they won got won two games off that Phoenix Suns team last year which I thought was pretty impressive and I don't think their team was as good last year and I think it is better this year but the difference is no Zion right um, he is worse than KD when it comes to injuries which is. Or worse than eighty, not K- actually KD too. Yeah, they're both pretty bad. Yeah, but I think the Pelicans just have a more fundamental team. I think they're just well more structured. I think they have more chemistry. The the Thunder as a lineup, they've been pretty healthy throughout the season. They have more games together, and I think that's going to be something will um will be pretty obvious when they're watching the game. 
Yeah. I mean, for New Orleans, so they, it's nice because they have a bunch of cheap young players who seem destined to be like very solid role players. So like Jose Alvarado, Jackson Hayes, you know, Herb Jones is really good at defense. All, all those, yeah, all those players are going to be on, you know, role players on good NBA teams in the next three, four years. Yeah. And like, you know, Trey Murphy took a big leap this year. And then you have your kind of core of CJ McCollum, Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Ingram, all Ingram, very solid. Yeah. The glaring hole, though, is Zion. So, so Zion. He's hurt every single year. He's already uh, confirmed out for the play-in and likely the season, regardless of what the Pelicans do. He's officially averaging exactly 38 games a year, right? So there are there are 82 games per season, so he is not playing in very many of them. Um, and it's just like they're locked into they're locked into Zion. They they signed him to a big max contract. Ingram, McCollum, should they explore trading any or all of them, regardless of how this play play-in postseason goes for them? Yes, I think they should move forward. I think I don't know what McCullum is up to. I think McCullum should move. Um, I think the big reason why he left Portland was obviously to win, be a title contender somewhere because that Portland team was solid with him, right? Him and Dame, um, very solid team, and they made it to the, I think they made it to the Western Conference Finals, right? After beating. They they made it once and they got to Paul George Paul George's OKC team with Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think CJ's gonna end up moving. I think he he's such a good. He's not even a role player. I think he's between a role. He's kind of that DeRozan Levine kind of player who's just gonna be a who's a spot up shooter, plays really well, doesn't have a lot of bad games. He does get cold here and there, but he's a guy I think is gonna be on a team next year that's going to be a title contender i don't know if his contract's up but i mean yeah he he brandon ingram and most definitely zion all have multiple years left with new orleans so it's, it'd be up to form- interesting the gm who was with um lebron in cleveland david griffin it's up to him about whether you know okay. who's yeah. I, so i remember they have jackson hayes i thought he'd be a lot i think last year he was his rookie year correct uh last year was year two for him year two so he he played really well year two. Yeah. I remember. And he did not grow much this year. Yeah. And you'd think maybe in Zion's absence, he'd be better, but. Right. Because he'd be utilized more, but he's still coming off the bench over, I think, because Herbert Jones has been playing a lot better. It's but a... I, I don't see this Pelicans team. I think they're going to be the 10 to 12th team for the next three years, uh, given Zion's consistent. 38 games per year. If Zion's playing 70 games per, per year, I think they'd still be playing contenders, but nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, Zion's attendance is consistently inconsistent. Which always, you know, the, the question I have for GMs is when, when you know you're that 7 to 10 team or even 5, 6, and you don't have a higher ceiling, but you know you're not going to drop any lower, what do you do? Do you think that you go desperate and hopefully get someone in free agency or do you think you just tank like okc did i mean i think okay you have to hold on hope that zion can stay healthy and just you know figure that part out but i mean if you if you put a a starting five out there that has zion williamson Jonas valentunas brandon ingram and cj mccollum like that's as good as any starting on paper it looks really good yeah and they have a nice deep bench so it's like i want to see a full season of it i just haven't gotten that yet and i think six if you say that, they could be – that's a better 
starting lineup than OKC, which we said was going to be really good. I think just on paper, OKC is still young, so it'll be interesting to see how those players develop. But you would expect on a head-to-head, if, if they were to play a seven-game series, that the Pelicans would come out, you know, in a six-game, six or seven. You'd think so, but... You you would think so, but no. All right, let's go to uh, a far more interesting... Pascal Siakam on this team. Oh, that's interesting to think about. You got, two big, you got two bigs below, then you have Ingram and McCollum who can shoot. Or you could put you could put Pascal at the three, Ingram and CJ at the one and two. I, that would be a tall team, but I don't know who they're trading. They they'd have to give someone. Did Ingram place at the one on the Lakers or no? Nah, he's he's too tall. Was yeah, he's too tall, but I've always feel like he was the primary ball carrier. He's that a good Lakers ball handler, team. but he's not a huge like. Well, yeah, assist. I mean, I guess that Lakers team before LeBron was absolute garbage. So uh, they were okay. They were okay. Him, uh, Lonzo. Oh, they had D'Lo. Him, Lonzo, and D'Lo. What do you mean? The last four years with Kobe, they did not make the playoffs. No, but like the year before LeBron got there, when they had Lonzo and Kuzma, they, were, Ingram, they still didn't Randall. make the playoffs. Well, they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, they were LeBron joined a team that team. didn't make the playoffs, and then they didn't make the playoffs again when he got there. It was the next year that they won the finals. No, the, I'm sure he was there without AD. They didn't make the playoffs. The oh right, the year he played 36 games, but well, I, that's separate. I mean, availability is the best ability. But um, listen, I don't want to. I'm I, I'm not anti LeBron, but let's jump into Lakers versus Timberwolves. So the Wolves are a no mess. Rudy. Yeah, Rudy Gobert's punching teammates. Jaden McDaniels is punching – he's punching walls. walls or something. Like it's his knuckles. He, he's the uh, – he'd be the primary defender on LeBron. Like, he held yes. – had a really good defensive game against – And Jaden McDaniels, he can, guard, he can guard anyone. Yeah, he also he just shoots 59% in the field. Yeah. He's really good. He's like – I mean, not, that's a bad comparison. Never mind. I was going to say, like, Vanderbilt on the Lakers, but not way better. Way better. Vanderbilt is nice. But, like, so for the Timberwolves – it feels kind of hopeless for them to win this game. Like it feels like all the everything stacked in the Lakers' favor. So, where do they go moving forward? They're stuck with Cat, who missed most of this year and doesn't really show up in the playoffs at all. And frankly, never doesn't has play defense and never, yeah, never has. And then you know you're stuck with Rudy Gobert for multiple years. Which I, is- I think they need to give on give up on Cat, and I think it's because Cat has been like that. That he's been their you know franchise player for the last what now five. Five seasons? Yeah, at least. The city loves him. The organization loves him. But if you think about the pieces he's has received, has had around him, it is so disappointing how every season has ended. Earlier this season, they, so let's talk first last year. It was D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns. That is three players that should make the playoffs and do well. They lost to Memphis, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. In six or seven, I remember Jog gritting all over them. Yeah. And then this offseason, they had Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert was the starting center for the Jazz, which were which were the one seed last year in the West. I mean, it takes a lot of effort. It, you have to be good to be the one seed in the West, given how stacked it is. And Rudy Gobert, obviously, was it? Yeah, Rudy, they did have Donovan Mitchell, but... Rudy Gobert was at center. He was somehow defensive player of the year, what, two or three seasons in a row at that point? I think it was three. Three, right? 
Yeah. You would expect this team to be better, and that they're in the play-in. I don't think they they might have been in the play-in last year. I think they might have been the seventh. But no, this team has failed so many times with good pieces. I think they're going to have to move from Cat, and or I think Anthony Edwards is going to move soon. I think his rookie contract is up this year, next year. So this is the last he's he's eligible for the rookie max extension starting next year. So they're he's going to be expensive starting right? next year. Yeah. Okay, well, I know they signed a big contract with Rudy. Yeah, they're locked into expensive. Yeah, they signed a big contract with Cat. I don't know how long ago that was. Not that long ago. They're kind of locked in with him. Okay, and now Russell left on a free agency, or is the Timberwolves They traded. uh, Traded. Okay. So that did clear up some cap space, I'm sure. I mean, uh, the tr- maybe a little bit, but like, I mean, they're just kind of stuck. I mean, Anthony Edwards yeah. is only going to get more expensive, and then, you know, you're yeah. you're locked into Rudy Gobert. Who's? I mean, yeah. that that has been a disaster since the second they traded for him. Yeah, and I I just don't. It's really confusing because you would expect Cat is a stretch four or five, so you could always have Rudy in the center. But defensively, you would think they're a lot better, and they're really they aren't. And uh, they played the Lakers, I think last week in Minnesota and I thought with Anthony Davis at the five they don't really have a tall the Lakers don't have a really tall four or LeBron's been playing the four I guess more but you would expect Cat and um, Rudy to out rebound them and I looked at the statue they did not the Lakers had more rebounds Um, they had more points in the paint as well and that's confusing when you have two big guys Standing at one seven one and the other is six eleven and can shoot threes. Yeah. And free throws. Uh, the Timberwolves mortgage their future to be the eight seed. That's not ideal. Yeah, and I it's I feel bad for Anthony Edwards. I think he's a very likable player and he, he's sweet. I mean, yeah, I like him. He's really sweet. He has a lot of room to grow to, I think. Yeah. And well, I, I love the new NBA because we have players like SGA, John Morant, him, um, Anthony Edwards, I think they're all going to be, you know, all-stars by the, multiple times in the all-star game by the end of their career. Maybe Edwards, he'll, he'll pull them out of this hole that they dug for themselves, but it does not I look really good. Hope so. I really do. Let's jump into a team that we both are rooting for. It's a team that has your favorite player in the league, the Lakers. Vic's GOAT, one of my favorite players, Austin Reeves. No, I'm just kidding. It's LeBron. Uh, so, listen – I'm not going to dive into their contract and their problems, which are certainly present given that they kind of screwed up when they got Russell Westbrook. But let's talk about what they do have going for them. They're likely they're going to likely to finish seventh if they win this game and play against Memphis. So let's just start there before we jump into anything. Do you like their chances if they play? Should they yeah. play the Grizzlies? So the Lakers have played Memphis three times this season. Then they're up two to one. They won two games, lost one. Not a single time did Anthony Davis and LeBron play a game together against Memphis. Oh, interesting. Okay. Two games were with LeBron. One was with only Anthony Davis. The one game that the Lakers lost was away in Memphis, against Memphis. The first one they won, I think everyone knows the whole fight between T. Moran and Shannon Sharp. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the other one was upon 80's return after the trade deadline. Okay. It's interesting because the trade deadline got in the way, and I think that one 
the Lakers played Memphis after the trade deadline. So the Lakers, I think it's clear they're a brand new team. They're 17 and nine since the trade deadline. Um, I think Vanderbilt is just that great. He's kind of like what you expect to get out of Patrick Beverly, all that hustle plays, but a lot more efficient. I think you see him on defense just everywhere and he's scrambling for rebounds and he has that, he has more height. So obviously it's easier for him. He's easier for him to do that. And he, he knows his place on the court, you know, he knows he's not the guy who's going to be running plays, dribbling the ball. Setting screens, getting rebounds, dishing it out. I love it. Um, with that said, I think they will win in six or seven against Memphis. Hmm. I I kind of I agree with you that I don't know what the game number will be. I think they'll beat Memphis too. And yeah, like and I'm largely saying that just because LeBron has hated Memphis since last year. I don't know if you remember they Memphis is known to be the biggest shit talker in the. Sorry, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this on the podcast. Totally fine. Totally fine. <laughs> All right. They're the biggest shit talker in the league, and they talked a lot of shit to LeBron last year. Yeah, that's true. They made LeBron they made, is they made, not going to forget that. And LeBron, he let him know this season. You know, he dropped I think over 35 that game, and I think he's going to average over 30 this whole season or the whole playoff series against them. The only thing that concerns me is AD. I don't know if you've watched the Lakers game recently. The last two games, I think he's averaged below 20 points. So the last four games, three of them were under 20 and one of them was 21. Yeah. After like this crazy month, he quietly did not not score a lot. Out of that, one of them was the back-to-back game. I think it was from – Right, the Clippers were after the Vic, after the overtime win against the Jazz. So it was not good that they had to play five more minutes, given that was 80's first back-to-back game all season. And I know back-to-back games is not a thing in the playoffs, so that's something we don't really need to worry about with AD. So I thought that could be the reason why he didn't play well. He got he still got 21 rebounds in one of the games. I think he got 14. It was 14 points and 21 rebounds. So he was still present but this most recent game against the jazz he dropped less than 20 again and that was after two 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 days off so i'm i'm really wondering like is his foot off the gas pedal i i don't know what's going on luckily lebron went eight for 14 from threes the other night but that's not something you're gonna get out of brown every night he's unfortunately a 33 percent shooter from three yeah he's been lights out since he came back from the injury but he has yeah um yeah, you bring up a good point with Anthony Davis. I mean, the thing is, like, he's just the kind of guy that, like, can still give you 40 points on 25 shots like he did earlier this year. I mean, the guy, yeah. he he can reach a peak level that very few other players in the league can reach. So he's just, like what you're saying, he's not consistent with it. The big thing that helps him out, and I think the most importantly, just the Lakers, I think the, the pieces they got, plus Austin Reeves, when AD's been down, they've been able to step up. Austin Reeves has been averaging, I think, over – 18 points in the last 10 and almost 50 percent from three he's been awesome 50, yeah 40 percent oh he's <laughs> been almost fit at 50 really he's at like 48.7 in the last 10 that is amazing but him and i think we finally uh what's that guy they just got from memphis um not brown is it brown troy brown they've had him for a while they no, got malik no, beasley no. i think they got him from minnesota beasley, malik beasley yeah, he's he from Minnesota. Real, so he had two unreal games 
on his for, for his first two games for LA, then he really fell off. Like he was in a shooting slump. And this guy's a straight catch and shoot guy. Like he gets really hot and streaky. He has stepped it up the last five games. Ri Hachimura has also stepped it off the bench the last five games. With that said, I think it's they don't need to always rely on AD or Bron, LeBron both, you know, getting let's say 60 points out of them. And I think that's been a large part of the Lakers' success since uh, trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, you, you bring up the role players and like, you know, D'Angelo Russell, who I kind of worry about as a playoff defender. I you forgot got about Reeves. You got Schroeder, Beasley, Vanderbilt, really Hachimura. So my question for you is like, who do you think will be, who do you think of those guys needs to step up the most in order for the Lakers to make a deep run past Memphis? Out of them, it would have to be Russell and Schroeder. Okay. And I think the main reason for that is in today's job, you need the three. You need the three. Yeah. And they're also I guess, the, sorry, the only other shooter, I would say more Malik Beasley. Because what the thing with the Warriors that make them so like they are fit they're I think top five favorites to win the whole thing as a six seed in the West. Mm-hmm. The reason is when they're down twelve, in one minute, it could be a three point game. Yeah. With Steph, Clay, and Poole. And D Vincenzo, he's a little hurt now, but that they have that ability to just get really hot and just really suck all that energy out of a team that's up, you know? Yeah, the Lakers definitely don't Lakers, have that. Lakers, they don't really have a three-point shoot. They're, I think, 26th in the NBA in three-point shots taken in the league per game, averaging like and and which I do like though saying that Anthony Davis has been playing offense in the paint more than the perimeter because last year I think that was my biggest issue with um I forgot who their coach was I'm happy I forgot he was horrible but Anthony Davis was playing the perimeter offense the in the whole season yeah yeah it's I mean listen sometimes guys are misused you know yeah and I, I it shocks me because what made him great was the ability of him to hit that mid-range shot effectively, play the post, you know, set high screens and then, you know, roll. Assert the dominance in the paint, yeah. Yeah. You're saying last year he was kind of like messing around the perimeter, like with Frank Vogel? Yes, last year. Frank, he was always found on the three. Like he, he shot at least five to six threes per game. Yeah, and he was he, I think he was like the of all qualified players like the worst jump shooter worst, in the league last yeah. year. Yeah. And LeBron was yeah. also I think out of all qualified like top 50 30 worst in three-point shooting percentage. Yeah. But he was also like top 30 or 40 in three-point shots taken. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what happens is you get older you start moving away from the basket and start launching up more threes. Um so let's talk about then we got our Lakers beating the uh, who's the ninth the Minnesota Timberwolves. So then, what about in the ten nine seed? You said Thunder over New Orleans, right? And then what about Thunder versus Minnesota? Okay, see, uh, with Rudy back, I think Minnesota can get this one, but that's about it. And then you'd have them losing to uh, the eight seed, the Nuggets, right? Yeah, I mean, I know the Nuggets haven't like done great in the playoffs the last few years, but they would. I feel like they would pretty handily beat those teams. 
Yeah, I don't, but I don't see the Nuggets getting past the first round. After the first, I don't think I don't see them getting past the second round. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I actually think there's no. no I I think the one and two seed. I think the two seed Memphis is going to get eliminated first round, and I think the one seed is going to get eliminated second round. Wow, hot take from Vic Chakra. I don't think it's really much of a hot take. I think the Lakers, Memphis, I don't think it would be too surprising to see the Lakers yeah. winning. And the four or five, I, I think Phoenix is going to smoke the Clippers. Yeah, no Paul George. And with no Paul George, no Morris. Um, And I think what the Suns are undefeated without KD. Yeah, since since they've gotten or yeah. with Katie, sorry, yeah, undefeated with Katie playing, they've been winning. Yeah. Playing. I yeah. see the Suns making it to the Eastern Conference fi- or Western Conference Finals at the top bra- top half of the bracket. Wow. Okay. Well, so speaking of the playoff matchups, let's actually just jump into the teams who are officially in the playoffs, right? So we've got Miami and Atlanta. We've got them making it out of the East, although Atlanta at the seven, Miami at the eight, and then we've got Lakers at the seven. And Minnesota at the eight. So, uh, and the eight seed, neither of those teams are going to make, none of those teams are going to make much noise except we think the Lakers. Let's jump into the actual playoff seedings that are set. So, we might as well just kind of keep banking up on the, the Suns Clippers ones, which is probably the most like star studded four or five matchup we've ever seen. I know, oh, you yeah, that, you know, you got Kawhi, you got uh, Paul George's hurt, you got Durant, you got Chris Paul, you got Devin Booker, Westbrook, who I know isn't the same guy. I mean, you got six Hall of Famers in one playoff matchup as a four or five right. in the first round. round. In the yeah, first in the first round. round, it's awesome. It's like must-see yeah. TV. And uh, it's not – beside Westbrook and maybe Kawhi, it's not like none of them are really declining. Like Chris Paul is still the same Chris Paul maybe. You know, I mean, he's just, not 20 and 10 anymore. He's not 20 and 10, but he's he also doesn't need to be the 20 and 10 guy on that team with KD and Booker and Aiden. True. He has so many pieces that he doesn't need to be that 20 and 10. He could be more that – 15 and 12 kind of guy. Yeah. Or no, even, I mean, Katie's more ISO, but. Yeah. But I mean, so you make a good point about Phoenix. I guess the thing that I worry about for both these teams, obviously, is injuries. We know Paul George is out. We know Kawhi's body is not super reliable. And then on the Phoenix side of things, this is the first year I think we've seen Booker miss a big amount of time. Kevin Durant can barely get through layup lines. And that, sorry, that was kind of mean. But, uh, and then with Chris Paul, I you know, there are three guarantees in life. Death taxes and Chris Paul's body breaking down in the playoffs. And I mean, I, I love Chris Paul. I really want him to win a championship, but he, he again, is just another guy who's, he, he's, it depends how many games Scott Foster officiates for him. It's also true. I know Chris Paul does not like, he's not a big Scott Foster fan. No, but I, I don't, I, if he, I guess staying healthy is like, you know, what you would expect, but nowadays it's not, but if Phoenix stays healthy, I think they'll be fine. Um, Jokic, Denver, I think the, the first seed, um, their first round will be an easy. It will be very interesting, though. If the Lakers lose to Minnesota, I still think they'll make it out of the play-in, but that means they, that would be a Lakers-Denver matchup in the tough. first round. I think that would be very interesting. Yeah, I hope it doesn't come to that because I want to see I, I hope it make a run. Yeah. But um, what's I want to ask you, what's your take on – Golden State and Sacramento. Do you think Golden State's just gonna beat them in five or six? I don't know. I mean, it's so it's like the defending champs against you know, light the beam and the like yeah. these young players. Who? Well, I mean, it's crazy that like 
they'd be playing each other, and it's the Warriors who are the six seed, and the Kings are the three right. seed. It's the Kings who have like who are going to have two All NBA players, and the Warriors only have one. Like the Kings are really good. Yeah, the thing interesting about the Warriors is like, I think it's well known their whole difference in record between uh, uh, being home and away. Yeah, I think they lost seven games at home this whole season, and then. They went 11 and 30 on the road, which is the fourth worst road. But 11 and 30, but I'm pretty sure in the last seven or eight away games, they do have a winning record. Yeah, they snuck. They, they were at right? like the last couple. They got re- they got really hot away at the end of the season, which was I, I mean, I think that brings a lot of confidence to the team because you're going to play two games. Their first two games are away. And the thing that worries me with the Kings is their playoff experience. I don't think a single player on that Kings team has played a playoff beside Kevin Herter for the Hawks. And then I think one, uh, maybe Sab- when the Pacers were play-in or like that six seed in the East with Sabanis. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like you bring up the road record. That could be really helpful for the Kings. And the, the Warriors' yeah. very bad road record because the Kings right. have home court advantage. It could come down to a game seven. Because right. the Kings are flawed. Like, so they're the, they're first in offense, which is, I mean, that's great. You can't get any better than that. They're 23rd in defense. So, like, that's pretty bad. And if you look like Sabonis. 23rd in defense against defender. a team that's one of the best offenses in the league. Yeah, it's the Golden State's yeah. not a great matchup for them. And, yeah, you like the lack of playoff experience is not going to be. Yeah, and I, I think the big thing for me is I don't see Sacramento winning a game in Golden State. But – I could see Golden State sneaking a game away in Sacramento. And I think that's why I have Golden State winning that in five or six. Yeah, I think I would probably take Golden State in six. I think, uh, you know, the Kings are really good. And De'Aaron Fox has been like probably the best clutch player in the league this year. Yeah. So, And I think Kings also have the largest or they have the most amount of comeback wins this season. Yeah. So, I'll jump with just because I don't know if something you want to be proud of because it shows you are losing majority of the games, but that's true. But I mean, like, it's good the experience of coming back in games like that, winning close games. But the the problem is the Warriors is not a team that they're going to go cold for seven, you know, seven minute stretch. Yeah, well, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'd probably take Golden State to win this one. Yeah, the big I have the exciting. I think the most competitive matchup is the four five in the East. Yeah, so let's talk about Knicks Cavs, right? So we got yeah. there's so much going on. You got Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell both having career years in with their their new teams. You got Evan Mobley, who everyone thinks is going to be a great player, is going to get his first playoff experience. Julius Randle's back to his All NBA form, although he's kind of out right now with a foot injury. Um, Big, this one's this is straight popcorn. So, and what do you see going on here? I think it's going to come down. I think I we kind of know what we're going to get out of the Cavs. I think. With Donovan Mitchell, Garland, and Mobley, the question is: Is Jalen Brunson going to step up? Is Randall? Is, I I read it. he might not be even ready for Game One. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be. Yeah, and so luckily, though, not luckily, but at least it's the games they're playing away. I think the Knicks will win one, at least one when they're home. Hopefully, yeah. two. But I I think that'll be a very exciting matchup. Just for the NBA and as a fan. Yeah, I'm super pumped for but, that one. And yeah. it's kind of interesting to think about it from Cleveland's perspective. So this is the Cavs' first playoff series without LeBron this century. 
And if they were to win, it would be them winning their first playoff series without LeBron since 1993. So in perspective, 1993, Bill Clinton was president and Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven won Best Picture at the Oscars that year. I have never seen that movie. My mom says it's really good. I Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> the 93 Cav, uh, Cavs team, they were head to head with uh, that 93 Bulls team, right? Yeah, they had Brad Doherty, who or Doherty, I don't even know how to say his name. He's like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. He was really good. Yeah, um, no, totally. Yeah, they might. I mean, I, I maybe that so was a team that, like, I've uh, never heard that dude's name. Like, I don't think he's even real. Ooh, Brad Doherty? Yeah. Oh, he's good. He's a very good player. Um, but maybe that, I think that might have been the year that Jordan hit that shot to win the playoff series, like at the buzzer, game six. Yeah, could be. The one where he, like, pumped his arm a bunch of times. Um, you know, I actually wanted to mention something about 1993 because the the Oscars I mentioned, Unforgiven, won Best Picture. So um, I was, I don't know why I, I ended up looking at the Oscars that year. But in 1993, Marissa Tomei won Best Supporting Actress for her performance in My Cousin Vinny. And there is controversy that the guy reading the name, like read the wrong name and that it was actually supposed to go to someone else. Kind of like in 2017 when they read La La Land when it was actually supposed to be Moonlight for Best Picture. But um I don't know. I just, I just, it's just kind of funny because it's like, you know, like I feel like they would have just said, oh, yeah, we read the wrong name. It actually wasn't Marissa Tomei. Oh, Buckingham Palace only opened its door in 1993. I thought it would be a lot older. I'm looking at events in 1990. Yeah, no, apparently it's a big year. Let's jump into the only playoff series that's set that we haven't talked about, which is uh, the Nets versus the Sixers. So you've got Harden playing his former team. You've got Ben Simmons sitting on the bench versus his former team. You've got Joel Embiid extending his transcendent regular season, hopefully into the playoffs. Hopefully he keeps it up here. The Mikel uh, Bridges renaissance, making Phoenix probably regret trading him in a way. What do you see yeah. playing out in this series, um, in, in this like little Nets kind of fun season that they managed to salvage, even though they had Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and you a know, really strong core at the beginning, and now it looks like they just have a young it's future. It's interesting going to have this Nets team is the Nets team that's entering the playoffs. If you, in the beginning of the season, this is the last team I would have expected to be in. Like, not the team, I meant more the rock, who's made, the players making up the team. Um, Yeah, Mikhail Bridges has been exciting. It, he is, he's also averaging 20 plus points a game now, or 25 plus points per game since playing in Brooklyn, correct? Oh, yeah, he's been on yeah. fire, man. He also has, he just never does, he's never missed a game. Yeah, yeah, that eighty-three games here. The props to that. Yeah, shout out for real. And also, haven't happened where no one plays. Um, I would love to see Brooklyn win. I, I'm sorry, I hate. Hates me. Well, actually, I hate Joel Embiid. I don't know why. And I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you hate Joel Embiid either. He's hilarious. Yeah, that, that's why. And I unbelievably I good at basketball. Like season. No, I hope that I see that guy crying in the locker room. Oh my god. Like he did in Toronto, and I hope Harden loses too. So I, I, there's no one I like on that. I actually love Tobias Harris, former Piston for sure. I'm. I also look forward to hearing Doc Rivers' raspy voice in the press (laughs) conference after a loss. Like I, I, there's so many things I. I can't do it. Wow, that was a terrible impression. Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you go so high? Cut that out. Uh, We we miss Benny or you do. Did good things for us. Now he's in Brooklyn, you know. And he, the guy, I swear, he doesn't have a voice to start with, and then he just screams for forty-eight minutes of a basketball game, and then he, yeah. he's completely shot. Yeah, but, but 
No, I I really hope Philly loses. And this this Brooklyn team is exciting to watch. Yeah. yeah this Brooklyn team is another team that has a lot of young pieces around them, if you really think about it. No, considering how like Kyrie and Durant kind of screwed them by demanding trades, they 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 did pretty well for themselves. Not only that, I mean, they lost some like what what was it? Jared Allen. They lost two two seasons ago to Cleveland, right? Uh yes, yeah, yeah. So I mean, what? So we got Dinwiddie at the one, McHale at the two, then what? Claxton at the three? No, five. Probably playing the four or five, yeah. Yeah, and then who did they get from Dallas in that trade when Kyrie? Dorian uh, Finney-Smith. Smith, really, really good defensive uh, player. And they got Cam Johnson in the offseason from Atlanta, right? Uh, Cam Johnson, I think they got from in the Phoenix trade. Phoenix, sorry. Cam, I'm thinking of Cam Reddish, who's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this team is really fun to watch, I think. Um, the only problem with this Brooklyn Nets team against this 76ers team is Starting lineup, the Sixers are better. Bench, the Sixers are better. The Sixers bench is deep. Listen, the the Nets are fun at all. I'm sorry, the Sixers team is going to absolutely dominate them. Uh, I, yeah, but no, no need to disagree with you. I'm going to say no. I I think the Nets could squeeze this out in seven. No, you don't. (laughs) Well, listen, okay, let's go through all the playoff matchups and figure out who's – let's just go first round. So, like, Philly, Brooklyn, use your mind, not your heart. Philly. There we go. How about uh, Knicks, Cavs? Who's winning that one? Cavs. I would say Cavs, too. How about we're going to go to the West, Phoenix versus Clippers? Phoenix. Yeah, that feels like guaranteed Phoenix, because given that Paul George isn't going to play. Yeah. Uh, and then how about, yeah. finally, Sacramento versus uh, Golden State? Golden State, I mean, yeah. I'd probably be Golden State, but man, I I, I hope it's close because I'm really glad the Kings are back in the in the, the playoffs. I, I really hope Golden State loses, I'll be honest with you. Really? Because I don't want Golden State playing the Lakers. Yeah, that would not be... Yeah. That would not be good, A, because I think Golden State is a better team than LA. And I don't need to hear your roommate yapping in my ears. If Golden State beat LA, John Blue's love for Steph Curry. Yeah, the beautiful did thing. Did you know Steph Curry is born in Akron, Ohio? I actually did know that. I found that out today. But he like grew up in Charlotte because his dad played in Charlotte. Yeah, but born. Yeah. Crazy. Must just producing basketball legends left and right in yeah, Akron, Ohio. Honestly. Well, big chocolate. Okay. We have officially gone through the entire NBA playoff first round, kind of possible outcomes here playing tournament playoff seating that's already set so can you talk a little bit about what you've been doing this this uh this gap year of yours in addition to your crazy schedule and your surgical repairing of my necklace that one time yeah so uh graduated college last year i was a volunteer at the ecls lab at michigan med um ecls for extracorporeal life support we have several projects um i can list a few one is CPB, cardiopulmonary bypass, artificial lungs, artificial placenta, and ex vivo heart perfusion, which I'm the current research intern of. Not bad. Not bad at all. So do you prefer working with pigs or sheep? This has nothing to do with what you just said. I'm sorry. I prefer pigs. You prefer pigs. Any reason? Um, 
Well, to keep it simple, pigs, I people would be shocked hearing this, but pigs are a lot cleaner. You know, I've actually heard that the pigs are very clean. So pigs, actually, I, I also read that if you give them large enough of a space, they will have one section to sleep in or lay down in, another place to just eat and drink, and a third place to go pee or poop. And I think an another thing that makes me like pigs more than sheep is sheeps, A, are bigger. B, they have fur. And so when they lay down and, you know, farming or whatever, they lay in their poop and pee and it gets stuck on the fur and it's just nasty. Like, I don't like it. And I, I when we do the heart perfusion project, which I'm a part of, we, we mainly do pigs. So I'm more familiar with pigs. Sure. Whereas all the actual every other project is sheep related. So despite your constant, uh, you know, I guess just declarations that we never see each other. I actually see you pretty often and you're always, you know, oh, I worked from, you know, 2 a.m. to 3 p.m. Three days later, like I was actually there for 400 hours straight. You know, oh, my shift starts at uh, not at 9 a.m. Oh, that makes sense. What time do you get off? Oh, I get off at uh, 5 p.m. Oh, that makes sense. No, no, I get off at 5 p.m. the next day. Like, it's all these crazy. So how do you deal with these crazy schedules where you work very long hours, oftentimes through the night? Yeah, so to keep, to explain why that occurs is you, we usually start our surgery around 8 a.m. Usually, the, so for my product, we start surgery around 8 a.m. and it's our heart procurement surgery where we take the heart out and by 11 a.m. we attach it to a circuit. And our goal is to perfuse the heart for at least 24 hours. And when you're perfusing our heart or when um, other projects, we have sheeps, the thing is that it's all in ICU care. And with that said, it means someone needs to be there attending at all times to monitor either the organ or the animal, assess vitals, hemodynamics, and with animals, obviously their behavior and health, because if they're in signs of pain, that's something we need to be aware of and in the case that we do need to kill the animal, we have to make sure that they don't reach a threat too high threshold of a pain where they're actually going through the pain and die due to that, whether we know it's coming up and then, you know, kill it in a more ethical way. Sure. And with that, so, you know, when I'm attaching the circuit at 11 AM, usually we do six hour shifts and there's three heart interns. Um, only three people can manage the care of the heart. So th since I'm on that project, I'm busier with that. And so when I have a shift, if I get the if surgery starts at 8 a.m., I get there around 6 or 7 a.m. And then if I'm doing a shift, sometimes I do back-to-back -back shifts. So then it'll be 7 a.m. to 12. Oh, good night, Jungbu. <laughs> good night, bro. Good night. Sorry about that. I did, I thought he was saying I'm going to like you're making me fall asleep with your story. Oh, well, he's actually going to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, so when I do back to back shifts after the surgery, so I'm already there from 7 a.m. to 11 or 12 is when we take out the heart, attach it to the circuit. Then I could be on a shift from noon to midnight or noon to six, and then I'll go home for six hours, have someone take that 6 p.m. to midnight shift. Then I'll be back on from noon to 6 a.m. And then sometimes I have other work, like non-ICU care work that I need to get done for the day. 
So if I have to go back into the lab at 9 a.m., I'd rather just stay there and grind it out instead of going home for three hours because once I'm in bed, like I want to get my six, seven hours of sleep. Yeah. It's crazy. But it, You're built different. Yeah, it's good experience. Um, it's I think it's a lot easier than it sounds just because I kind of do like what I'm doing and it's pretty busy in a way at times that it allows the time to go, fly by. Yeah. Because I think the days that on the weeks that suck at work is when we do no surgeries and it's all like kind of like doing homework is just repetitive tasks that I don't want to do. And like seven, two hours feels like seven hours. Whereas when I'm doing this, like I could be working 12 hours a day. It feels like five or six. So yeah, it hits me at night when I get home, but when I'm there, it's not. Eventually you got to get your sleep in, I guess, but yeah. The only other thing I wanted to say about this is so one time I was playing basketball with Vic and I, I, I wear this necklace and has that little pendant on it. And I, I guess like someone like pulled on the necklace, got guarded me in defense or something, like it wasn't a big deal, but the pendant came off. And so Vic legitimately took me to his super secretive, somewhat sketchy. No, I'm just kidding. Well, honestly, it, it was kind of weird being in like the basement of the med building. But anyway, takes me to this lab. He gets out this surgical tool and he legitimately like kind of because I couldn't get the pendant back on. And he like opened this little thingy up put the pen back on. It was very surgical. It was very surgical. I was impressed. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, that was, it was not that hard. It was basically using a hemostat to just unclip something, but thanks for making it sound fancy. It was fancy, at least in my opinion. And, and then you know what? Necklace works great. which is the most important part. Until it fell off a week later. Oh yeah. It did fall off again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It was very easy to get back on though. You like, you set me up where I could like handle on my own, you know? Appreciate it. Big Chakra, anything else to add? No, thanks for having me. I'm so glad that we made this happen. Yep. Go Lakers, go LeBron. And yeah, can't wait for LeBron to get his fifth ring. Buddy, thank you for being here, buddy. You seem busy. I'm going to let you be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, seriously, thanks for, for coming on. I appreciate it. Yep. All right. Let's hoop sometime this week. I'm in. Viewers, we'll thank talk. you for listening. And we will see you next time.